we can never forget why, why we can do this. We, we, it's because of our men and women who served and have served this past uh, year and who continue to serve. That, that they've given us freedom. And we know it comes from God. And without our men and women serving around the world, boy, this country would look a whole lot different. And so never forget the price that has been paid and the price that is being paid for our freedom, which allows us to worship our God so freely and in this kind of way. So again, thank you so much for serving. This week we celebrate Veterans Day and we just wanted to say thank you. And, and thank you for those that shared in the video. I know Kalani is in, in the service in here. I'm sure Chris is around here somewhere. Uh, and I, I think I saw uh, Rita somewhere. But okay, there she is. But And your whole family. But thank you for sharing with us and Uncle Lloyd for sharing and, and singing a beautiful song that reminds us that it is about God and what He's doing. It's about God and more God, less us. Because we can only do so much. We need God. And that's a series that we're going through. More God, less me. And if I think about the things that we go through and, and who God has called us to be, there's not a day that goes by that He's not looking for men and women who will serve Him in a, in a kind of way that affects people's lives. And today, as you can tell in your bulletin, we're going to be talking about how do we bring God to work. These men and women that serve around the world and serve our country, they bring God to work. They understand that there's many missions that are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Continue to pray for them and, and uh, support their families. But you might be in a place right now and you're thinking, I don't know how I can bring God to work. I don't know how I can be effective at work. There's not too many people at work that are Christians. Uh, there's people that they're not going to receive from what I say. Uh, and it might not just be at work. And although this message will apply heavily for those who are working and, and in the marketplace that you can bring God into, your, into the workplace, it's for all of us that wherever we go that we can bring God with us. You might be someone who is out of work right now and you're looking for work. Everywhere you go, bring God with you. Uh, you might be someone who is at home with your family. Uh, maybe you're home with your children and you bring God there. You might be in a season right now as a grandparent that you're helping with the kids. You bring God there because God is going to use all of us to add His Spirit and bring His Spirit to an environment that desperately needs His presence. In an, on an average... We spend or are awake about 16 hours of the day. That's just average. Of those 16 hours, one hour is dedicated to getting ready. The next hour is dedicated to drive time, to work and home in a given day. That's just average. And then eight hours is given to work. So already with the 16 hours of time that we're awake... 10 hours are already taken up just going to work. Now that's if you only work 8 hours a day. If you work 10 hours, then even less during the time that we're awake. If you work, you know, sometimes you'll work 12 hours or 14. Some of you will work even more than that. Now you add to that your sleep time. 
which on average is about eight hours. Some of you, you would hope that you get eight hours of sleep. Some of you only get like four hours of sleep or even less. Some of you right now, you're dead tired because you had no rest yesterday. And you're tired right now. And some of you are sleeping right now. That's okay. Just fold your hands like this. And you fall asleep. You'll be praying. And you're dead tired. Some of you just came from work, so you're tired. Isn't it amazing that in a 24-hour period, what takes place? It's like there's no time for anything. Now, you, you put that into equation, and then you think, wait a minute. How much time do I spend in church compared to the time I spend in the workplace? On average, a Christian spends about an hour of church a week. In church, just an hour. So how can we be effective with 10 hours given to work? And that's a day compared to one hour of church a week. How does that happen? How do we become effective? How do we bring God to work? Now the Bible puts it this way, and it's in your notes. Matthew chapter 5 And Matthew chapter 5 will give us like our base for what we're going to talk about this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, it says that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, this past week, as we saw in the announcements, uh, we had our pumpkin party. And many of you invited your family and your friends and and co-workers, and you you did your very best to get the word out. Almost 4,500 people came through to our pumpkin party. And there were many new people because I would walk by them, tell them hi. They don't know me. They just keep walking, which is great. You know, that's, that means new people were coming or people that don't attend our church. And I thought that's, that's the church at its best. Partnering with what God is doing to find people that are far from Him. We also had our vision night a couple weeks ago, and, and we talked about what God is going to be doing in our church and, and, and then next year. God is moving in that kind of way. He, he wants us to partner with Him to be the salt and light to this earth. Uh, some of you were part of the Save to Save campaign, and, and we gave, and, and uh, we gave the amount that you, you gave over $48,000 toward the Save to Save But to date, over $60,000 came in for the covered courtyard. So thank you for trusting God in that. And we do all of this because we want to do our very best so that when we invite our family and friends, that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, that there is a way to live life to its fullest. Because there's no place else that you're going to find other than the kingdom of God that you will have true life. And Jesus put it that way. He said, you're the salt into this world. But if you lose your flavor, then, then it's only good to be trampled underfoot. 
The reason why Jesus illustrated it that way is because in those days when they would have salt, they would gather salt and it would be used for flavoring like how we do today, but also as a preservative and we still do that. But what Jesus was saying is if that salt loses its flavor, then you can't use it for anything. You can't even use it for fertilizer. They couldn't throw it out in the dirt because it would ruin the soil and the nutrients in the soil. So they would actually have to throw it in the street. That way, due to the elements of the rain, the sun, and, and the uh, people trampling over it, it would, it would disintegrate the salt. Because that's all it was good for once it lost its flavor. They would also use it as uh, in the temple, in some areas of the temple, in case it was humid or there was moisture or it got wet, the floor got wet. They would use it like a grip so that you wouldn't slip. Because they didn't want to put it on the regular soil because it would ruin it. They used it in places where it would, it would just be destroyed. And what Jesus is saying is that's not what salt is intended for. He said salt is to be used to flavor. It's to, use, it's to be used to, to add flavor. It's to be used to preserve and what he's telling us is you, you're, that's who you are to this world. In the world that there's no more flavor anymore, in the world that's dying and decaying and is being destroyed, you're the salt unto this world. You're the light unto this world. And without us being salt and light, uh, salt and light into this world, what hope does the world have? That's why our men and women do their very best to go around the world for freedom. The world in itself will not get better. It must be more God, less us, in order for things to get better. Whenever God gives us this kind of commission, along with that will come His power. He doesn't just say, you know, this is who I want you to be at work. I want you to, to represent me well. I want you to bring hope. He doesn't just tell us to do that, but not give us any power to do so. He says that you're salt into this world, that you are, you are to be in this world and bring flavor to the world. This is Hawaiian salt. I used it so you can see it. But he said, you are the flavor of this world. Now, we'll use this to cook. You know, we'll use this for whatever. Maybe somebody can do a taste test with um, smoked meat, something. But he said, this is you. You're the salt into the world. And what, were, what, what would happen if I took a, a handful of salt and um, ate it? Yeah, it would be that bad. Either I would throw up or just, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to try. Uh, what, if, what if someone shoved a handful of salt down your throat? What would happen? Yeah, it would be bad. It would be horrible. In fact, right now you're probably drooling because it's like lihing mui, where it makes lock jaw. But that's what salt is capable of doing. What the Lord is saying is you're supposed to flavor the world, not take a whole bunch of salt and ram it down people's throats. You see, I think sometimes, and I've experienced this, I get so zealous for the Lord, and, and I'm saying, Lord, um, my family needs to know you. So I'm going to tell them all that I learned today in church. And then I, bam, give it to them. 
And they're like, okay, okay, okay. I know, yeah, yeah, I need to do this. I need to do that. Yes, yes, yes. And then the next week I come back again. And, oh, I got some more for you. And here you go. Oh, so good. I learned that in church today. Oh, you need this scripture. And this is why your marriage is going bad. You need that scripture. You need this. And I get some more in the bag. I can go get some more. And you start pouring it down their throat. After a while, they can't take any more. From what is supposed to be flavor now becomes bitter. And they end up pushing away and they'll say, I don't want to hear it anymore. And the Lord says, I want you to be salt. But then he says, but I also want you to be light. And the reason why he says to be salt and light, and the reason why he's saying for us to be light, is that in this case, light does its very best work without saying a word. It shines for all to see. It gives heat. It gives a good glow. And he says, that's, that's how you're supposed to be. You're to be salt to flavor and then light to shine. But shine in such a way that people hear your good works. No. That they see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven. Here's the good news. It doesn't end with us. It ends with glorifying God in heaven. It's not us. It's more God, less us. Sometimes we'll use the light and we have the light of God and we'll use it to shine on others so that we can show them their flaws. So that we can say, hey, you know what the Bible says? You know what the Lord says? You know what the pastor said today? This is what you're supposed to be doing. And then we take notes. We write down notes. We take it home. We put it where our husband or wife can see our kids. You slide them in the, you know, on the table or something so that they can see it. And that's okay to a certain degree. But there must come a time as a believer that I shine as a light. Not so that I can show people their faults, but the closer the light is to me, the more I see I need to work on. And the more I work on myself, and I say, God, there's things in me that I got to do better at. There's things in me that I'm at fault at. There's things in me that you're wanting me to change. When I do that, people will see that good work and then they'll glorify God in heaven. They'll say, God, you are real because so-and-so is changing. And then you won't really need to say anything. You just shine and they'll ask you. They'll notice a difference in us because it's more God, less us. By the time we get to work, people are surprised. They're wondering, what happened? Something took place. God wants to do that in our lives. Salt was so important, even, in the, even with the Romans, that they would actually use salt as a substitute for pay. That for their salary, they would give salt. That's how valuable it was. In fact, the word salt and the word salary comes from the Roman word salarium, which is what the salt wafers were called that the Roman soldiers were given, that the Romans were given. That's where we get our word salary. And even though we're talking about bringing God to work, you can apply it anywhere. We're going to look at three truths and how we can become more effective in bringing God to work or anywhere we go. And the first truth, and we're going to look at three don'ts. The first don't is don't forget that I have a purpose. We tend to forget that. We, we think when we go to work that my job is to do, and whatever you do, construction, cashier, uh, maintenance, uh, accounting, whatever it is, teacher, uh, physical education, whatever it may be. You may be a professor, a doctor, whatever it is, and you think, okay, I'm going to work right now. 
But really, you're, you're not really going to work. And I, I, I know we need to work, and the Bible says that. But at the same time, I have a purpose, because our lights are supposed to shine so that I use it to show people how good God is, not to find their fault. Galatians tells us in Galatians 5.13 that, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Don't use freedom to do whatever we want. Do everything with a purpose. You are the salt and light of this earth. God will use you to add flavor, but too much salt ruins the entire meal. And that can happen. God calls us to be salt and light, flavor and a preservative with hope. Not doom and gloom, bitterness and destruction with no hope. He's called us to live lives that are holy and pleasing to Him. And if we're not careful, instead of being salt and light as flavor and hope, we actually use salt to rub it in the wounds of people. And then our light actually blinds people from the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he said, no, you're supposed to flavor the earth. You are the salt unto this earth. For us, at our staff meetings, we'll pray, we'll worship, and then we'll go on with our staff meetings. And we can do that here. But you might not be able to do that. And maybe you do. Maybe you go into work, you're singing. You know, you, you go into work and, and you're maybe uh, singing a worship song or something. And, or maybe you, you go in there and you pray, whatever the case may be. But not, not too many of us can go to work, break out, you know, bring out a guitar and start worshiping and then start praying and gather everybody together, hold hands and pray. Not too many of us could do that. You could try. Might not have a job after that, but you can try. Or you can do that before you go to work. And you fill yourself with His Spirit and you pray for your work environment, your workplace, your co-workers, that you would bring God to work. Not like you're carrying Him in your pocket, but what you're doing is you're allowing His Spirit to move in and through you so that people can be closer to God. Sometimes we say, oh, if I can just get them to church. Yes, I understand that. That's part of our mission. But also, if they're not coming to church this this setting where we're among each other as believers and learning together, then bring the church to them. You be the church. You represent the Lord in your work environment. You don't have to be there with the hallelujahs and praise the Lord's, but you can be there as a way to represent God well. In the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy verse 9 excuse me, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this, not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan from before the beginning of time to show us His grace through Christ Jesus. You know what He's saying? When you go to work, show grace. Do your job, but be gracious in what we do. Be loving, be kind, be patient. Be who He created us to be at our workplace. Be who He is. Be gracious. Don't forget. He's given us a purpose. He placed you there. You didn't get a job. He gave you that position. 
He placed you in that position so that you could affect the people around you. Now, I'm not trying to take away from your skills and your degree or even your wisdom, but God could find somebody else. But He chose you. There's no one else who He saw to be there but you. Don't forget you have a purpose. And the second thing is don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. Yeah, balance it out. We're not going to, you know, sometimes we're zealous and, and we want to tell people about Jesus, but they're not ready to hear. But they're going through stuff. But don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of who God made us to be. You want to balance it out. You want to shine as a light, not blow, not burn like a blowtorch. You want to be someone who is... I mean, look, he's still going. I mean, it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter. We can turn off the lights, we can close the doors, we can do all of that, but the light is, it will still shine. In the most darkest place, this light will still light up the place. He said, that's you in your workplace. You might be the only Christian there. And you feel like, well, I don't want to tell nobody I'm a Christian because they're all not Christians. And then they're going to think I'm weird. Well, if you are, then you are. No, you can't change that anyway. So Christianity is not going to change the fact that you're weird anyway. So I'd say just don't be ashamed of the gospel. 2 Timothy 1.8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me, his prisoner, and Paul the Apostle is speaking, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That's way before we were born and way before we even got our jobs. See, when, he, when Paul is saying, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, that word testimony, the testimony is a word, martis, where we get the word martyr. And that word means those who, after his example of Jesus Christ, have proved the strength and genuine, genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. That's what a martyr is. They die for their belief in Jesus Christ. But we're called to be holy. We're called as living sacrifices. In other words, we don't have to die a physical death, but we can die to ourselves so others may live. That we can be a testimony, that we die to our selfish ways, our fleshly ways, so that God may be shown through our lives more and more. More God, less me. So by the time we get to work, people see Jesus in us, not hear about what they're doing wrong. Not hear about, uh, you know, they're so far from God. And, and if you have a relationship with them and you can actually speak to them in that way, that's fine because you have that relationship. But what the Lord is saying is be a testimony. Die to self. And when, my, when we die to ourselves, it's a testimony to others that Jesus is doing something in me. And when they see that good work, oh, it glorifies God in heaven. And we are to preserve the world from decaying, from destruction. Even, even from other Christians at work. Have you ever been in an environment where there's another Christian, but yet it's like, ugh, they're not living how they should. 
And now, because people know you're a Christian, they like partner you up together. And they say, you know, all you Christians, you know, you Christians, you guys always do this. And you're thinking, I'm not affiliated with that person. Nah, I don't even know them. They're on their own. And uh, I, we're not, we're not together. We may recognize the same God, but I don't know what they're doing. Now, you don't have to explain that, but all I know is that there are work environments where that's a challenge. That maybe you have somebody at work who knows God, but all they do is pinpoint other people's faults. They'll talk behind everybody's back. They'll do things that are not pleasing to God, and you're dying on the inside. And you're thinking, boy, what do I do? How do I, how do I, how do I make this environment better with those who are Christians, but they're not living like Christians? And again, it's not to judge other Christians. It is to figure out a way that I can be used. Because if that person is going around and they're not being a so-called person who is Christ-like, and people recognize that, and you do too, then you be the salt and light. You be that example. Learn from that other person what not to do. And you be the light to everyone else. And then they'll recognize that, wait a minute, there's something different about you. What is it? All I know is Jesus is doing something in my life. I got things to work on. I got to get better at things. And, and um, I'm not here to point fingers at anybody else. I'm here to represent the Lord in the best way that I can. I have flaws too, but I, I just want to do my very best. I want to love people. And, and when people see that in you, That Jesus is not just your Savior, but He's your Lord. That'll trump someone else who Jesus is only their Savior. Not in a bad way, but in a way that shines as light for all to see that they may see the good work and then glorify God in heaven. It's not a competitive thing. It's, Lord, what are you asking me to be? That's what I'm going to be. And I'll do my very best to glorify you. Some time ago when I was, uh, we were in a rented home, uh, I was just coming to know the Lord. And our landlord, you know, we'd work with that person. And then as time went on, I came here on staff and then I got my pastoral license. And then we moved out. Well, we had to tidy up some things and tie up some loose ends with our landlord. And he called the church office and he said, oh, may I speak with uh, Sheldon Laxina, please? And they said, oh, Pastor Sheldon? He said, no, no, uh, Sheldon Laxina? And said, we have a Sheldon Laxina. He's one of the pastors. And he goes, really? And they said, yeah. Uh, is that the person? He said, I don't know. And she said, the, the receptionist said, you know, I'll patch you through. And then if that is, great. If not, then he'll find out who that is. And so I, it was me. And so I was speaking with my landlord. And we, you know, made some, uh, did whatever we needed to do and tied up the loose ends. The receptionist came to me after and said, Hey, he was surprised that you were a pastor. So I thought about it in two ways. The first one was that he was thinking that I was a pastor and he was surprised because I wasn't living like one. I wasn't behaving like one. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't kind to him. I would give him hard time or, or pay my rent late or whatever. That was my first scenario. Maybe that's why he was surprised. The second was maybe he was proud of me. Maybe he would say, really? He's a pastor? Wow. Well, I'm so glad that he is. Yeah, don't clap just yet because wasn't that one. It was the first one. 
I was horrible as a tenant. I was so horrible. And I said, Lord, I, and I didn't want him to know I was a Christian. I didn't want him to know that I was a pastor. Because if he knew I was a Christian, I could not get away with what I wanted to get away with. And once I told him I was a Christian, now I'm accountable. And then if I told him I was a pastor, he'll like put me on a pedestal. I don't know why people do that. I know you don't. You don't put pastors on a pedestal and think they're like perfect. We're all messed up who need Jesus Christ. And I saw him, I saw him sometime later and he was eating in a restaurant. And I, I just went up to him and I said, hey, I just want to apologize for being who I was and, and giving you a hard time. And I just want to ask for your forgiveness. I, I'm sorry that I was like that. And he said, no, 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 you're great. He said, hey, way to go, way to go at the church and what you're doing. And, and you, keep, you keep doing that good work. And I thought, Lord, throughout all those years... I could have done a better job. And I wonder if we hide behind our flesh so that our Christianity doesn't show because we're afraid that we won't be able to represent Jesus well. Even at work, I wonder how many of us are proud that we're Christians, that we don't mind people know that we're Christians. And if you are bold, great the Bible tells us, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed. Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And instead of us thinking that, well, if they know I'm a Christian, then my life, and my lifestyle doesn't match that of Jesus, it's, gonna, it's not going to go well. And that's why we don't want people to know we're Christians. But instead of thinking that, Here's what the Lord spoke to me. When you live how I've called you to live, you won't be ashamed of who you are in me. In fact, you have the kind of power that will save people. Not that we save people, but it is the power of God unto salvation, which means that He'll use us to draw people to Him that He saves them. Many of you are here this morning because someone invited you to church that you worked with. In fact, I was just talking with someone this morning from first service, and they said, you know, I'm here because my coworker invited me. And I said, really? He said, yep, he invited me. You see, we can be salt and light into this world when we're not ashamed of the gospel. To the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. In other words, when I apply it in my life first, then I'll be able to impact others. Never, ever underestimate the Jesus in you. You can write that for your last point. Don't underestimate Jesus in me. As, as bad as you want your coworkers, your family, your children, or grandkids to come to know Jesus, God wants that even more. He loves your coworkers more than you could ever possibly imagine, or more than you love them. He loves your family members more than you could love them. He created them. Jesus wants to love people. He wants to love your co-workers. Well, how does he do that? Then how does Jesus, how does Jesus love my co-workers? How, how will he reach out to them? Well, he saves someone who works there, then uses them as a disguise to get as close as possible to the employees. That's what he does. 
He saved someone from that organization, from that department, from that corporation, from that business. He saved someone, and then, and then he lives in that person in disguise. Then he goes into the places that normal people can't go to. But the employee can because they work there. And now Jesus is in that person. And then wherever he wants to go and whoever he wants to reach out to, he can because now he's an employee there. And now he can reach out to anyone at work. Yeah, you know, I I wish my boss got saved. If my boss got saved, the whole environment would change. But I I can't get ins with my boss. I mean, we don't we don't we don't huddle together, we don't eat lunch together, we don't spend time together. I can't, I can't, I can't spend time with the higher ups or I I can't do that. I I don't I don't have the one-on-one time. Sometimes they pass me by, they say, good work, or they'll say hi, and that's it. But there's no one-on-one time. How do, I, how do I affect my boss's life or my manager's life? How do I represent Jesus to them? Good question. Here's what you do. Because Jesus is in disguise, if you look in the mirror, Jesus looks like you. He's in there, but he uses the exterior to blend in with everyone at work so that he can affect them. And here's how you affect those that are above you or in authority. When you go to work, either today or tomorrow, when you work next or wherever you will go, you do the best work possible. And when you go there, instead of saying, hey, good morning, good morning, say, hey, good morning, you guys, how are you doing? Greet them by name. Good morning, Dana. Good morning, Karen. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Good morning, Brandon. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Good to see you guys. Now, some of them might be shocked. They might be thinking, okay, what happened to this person? But if you're like that already, and that's great. And then you do the best work possible. Instead of sweeping the floor, you clean that thing it was like it was the palace of our King Jesus. And you clean it so well, but do it in the right time. You know, don't just, you know, take 10 hours to clean the floor and buff it and make it all shiny. And then look at what I did for the Lord. But you took all day and now the boss is mad. You do it when you're, how you're supposed to. You work hard at it. As the Bible says, I don't work for man. I do all my work in Colossians 3.23. Do it wholeheartedly as unto Christ Jesus, not for man. That scripture is not in your notes, but you can check it out later. Colossians 3.23. Do your work wholeheartedly. Then this is what will happen. The boss will call you in. Or the manager. And instead of saying, oh my goodness, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Because we panic. And you just say, Lord, this is the time you've given me to be at the boss. And you go in there with the confidence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the boss will say something like, okay, you know, I've been watching you for the past couple of days. Something's different. Like, you've been working very hard. You want something? Nope. Not looking for a raise, not looking for position, not looking for anything else. That's just how I want to work. Okay, but something's different. What happened? And on the inside, you're probably thinking, okay, Lord, is this the opportunity? And you might say, well, I I can tell you, but I don't know if you would want to hear this. No, tell me, what happened? I'm just doing my very best to please God. I just want to be the best employee. I'm not looking for anything. You don't need to pat me on the back. You don't, I don't need to be employee of the month. I just want to do my best for God. You let God do that through you, you'd be amazed on what would happen at your work environment. You just never know. 
but you do the best that you can, then God takes it from there. Don't ever underestimate what Jesus can do because Galatians 3.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Put on a new attitude at work, at home. Be the season, the seasoning, the salt, the light to wherever you go. And because if Jesus lives in you, you're you're halfway there leading people to Christ. And who knows that God did not position you there so that they could find Him. And if you believe in God and you have the faith in God, you understand that you are placed there with a purpose. Remember in the book of Esther, if you read the book of Esther, that she was a Jew who was brought into the kingdom and she was... She was raised up as the queen. Well, there was a conspiracy by this man named Haman that he wanted to annihilate all the Jews because Esther's cousin, her older cousin Mordecai, was a good man and he was jealous of him and so he wanted to just wipe out all the Jews. Haman wanted to do that. And so he convinced the king to wipe out the Jews and so they were going to do that. Mordecai, as, as, that little, as the mentor and almost like the father figure of Esther, said, Esther... Here's some things that are happening. And we're on the brink of annihilation. And in Esther 4, 14, he says, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But if you, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In your workplace, or wherever you are, maybe you're, 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 you're at home for a while. You're with the kids, your grandkids. Believe that God has placed you in that position for such a time as this. Amen. Put away your Bible and your notes. There's this one pastor who was uh, touring Israel and he had the group of people with him. And he wanted to give them an illustration of salt. And so he had one of his protégés and uh, one of his disciples, someone that was learning. He said, go grab some salt. Go into the salt valley and go grab some salt so that I can you know, talk about this illustration in the Bible that talks about being the salt of the earth. Well, this young man goes out and he gathers all the salt and comes back with this bag of salt. And the pastor looks at the bag and he says, where did you get this salt? He said, "Uh, in the valley where you told me to go get it. And he said, "Uh, but where did you get this salt from? Was it the ones that were connected to the rock or was it the ones that were just kind of like on the sides? He said, well, I was trying to get the one off the rock, but it was so hard. So I figured got all of this on the ground. I just grabbed those. And the pastor said, but here's the difference. Yes, this looks like salt. Yes, it, it has the, the shine to it. It even has the same crystallization look to it. But it has no flavor because of the elements of the weather and people have been trampling over it. The best salt is found closest to the rock. 
you go back and you go get the salt that is attached to the rock. The outside may not be the best, but the most flavorful part is that which is connected to the rock. And the same is true with us. Oh, exterior-wise, we get bust up from the world. We get beaten up. We get trampled on. But I tell you, when you're connected to the rock, who is Jesus Christ, the closer you are to Him, the more flavor you and I will have to season the world that is flavorless. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank You for being the example of what it means to be salt and light. And you were the salt of the earth when you were walking this earth and you've given us your spirit. You've given us the ability to be salt and light. And so Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you for calling us closer to you that we may be salt and light. Lord, I pray for those that they're trying to find you. And maybe this morning they understand that you died for them. That you paid the price so that we could draw closer to you. And I pray for anyone this morning, if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and you've been wondering why life seems so difficult by yourself, maybe it's time you call upon the, rock, the one who is the rock. And his name is Jesus Christ. I'm going to say a prayer. You can say this prayer, repeat after me, but meaning with all your heart, Lord Jesus... Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. And that you rose again. To give me eternal life. Help me to be like salt. And help me to be a light. That people may see it and glorify you. In Jesus name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you just gave your heart to Jesus Christ, could you just lift a hand? I want to pray for you. For the very first time, you said yes to Jesus. Good. Anybody else? Good. God bless you. You said yes to Jesus this morning for the first time. Good. I see your hand. God sees your hand. Good. God sees you. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, for those that just said yes to you, that you, Lord, will be Lord of their lives, not just Savior. I pray that they are now the salt of the earth and that they would continue to represent you well and that they are now lights unto this world because you live in them. You can put your hands down. For all of us, Lord, that's our prayer, that we would be salt and light to you, but most of all to the world, that we would represent you well. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. And every single person said, Amen. Congratulations to all those that said yes to Jesus.